Hello and welcome back. My name is Luke and you're listening to another episode of the Next Stage podcast by Web Summit, taking you inside the minds of business and cultural leaders from around the world. It's Wednesday, and every Wednesday we're looking at some of the best and brightest minds that Web Summit has to offer. So sit back, relax, and listen in as we hear from the leading minds and industry giants from all over the planet. I'm Nicholas Thompson. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Wired. It is my great pleasure to be here with Executive Vice President Marguerite Vestiger. How are you? I'm so good because I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> and, and of course, that is, it would have been better to be in, in Lisbon, but here we are and this is the best we can do. So all good. It's the best we can do. So the last time I talked to you, we were on West 57th Street uh, in New York City and it was the summer of 2018 and you had just that week announced that you were going to look into whether Amazon was using its market position unfairly, whether it was using the fact that it owned the marketplace to advantage its own products. And now, just a short while ago, you have announced the results of that investigation and you've brought charges against Amazon. Tell me why it took two years and what you learned that surprised you. Well, it takes a long time because we go through a lot of data. Uh, here we have been going through, uh, oh, I, I tend to forget such big numbers, but you know, we have gone through, you know, millions and millions and millions and millions of deals, uh, looking at how Amazon is using sort of the, uh, the non-public data of the retailers that, that are using their platform. And, uh, and what we have found is that sort of the Amazon platform siphons uh, the data for the use of Amazon retail in order for Amazon retail to know very, very well what is going on on that platform. That is our preliminary conclusions. Uh, and that, of course, allows Amazon to take so few risks compared to any other retailer. Because any other retailer would have to say, oh, should I, shouldn't I, what should be the prices, what would be interesting for my customers? They take a lot of risk. If you basically know everything that is ongoing on the marketplace, you take very few risks. And these preliminary conclusions, of course, now we want to hear what Amazon says about it. But, uh, but we've been you know, deep diving uh, in these data. And we've been deep diving so far that we have also opened another case, which is about uh, the buy box, uh, how it actually is that uh, businesses get access to the buy box, because 80% of transactions happens there. So it's a very, very attractive place to be, because there it is. Just take it to your cart, and boof, there you have made your shopping. So we want to know, can you basically only be there if you also use Amazon Fulfillment or is there fair competition to get into the buy box? And that is the next investigation that we're opening. And so the reason it took two years is because you had to compile a huge trove of data to make your case. You also uncovered other possible malfeasance. You had to put it all together. Now, critics would say an investigation that takes this long just can't work. The tech companies move so fast. Look how much Amazon has invented, how much Amazon has changed. This shows why the regulators are always late. How do you respond to that? Well, actually, that is part of my, my own criticism of the work that we do, uh, because that is perfectly right. Uh, we are in very dynamic markets. We're in fast-moving market. Networks affect marginal costs coming down to zero if you have that kind of size. Uh, which is why we first we want to be really vigilant in our competition law enforcement. We will use um, intermediate measures if we find the cases to do so. And intermediate measures basically allows us to say, stop, what are you doing? 
and that allows us then to do the investigation without more harm uh, being caused. But the third thing is that we need to sort of call in uh, regulation to say, well, here, competition law enforcement and regulation, we need to help each other to make sure that we have a fair marketplace. And, uh, and right now we are drafting sort of the last uh, paragraphs, uh, last articles uh, of regulation that we're going to table very soon. Yes, well, that's the Digital Marketplaces Act and the Digital Services Act. And I want to ask you about them. But before we do, I just want to briefly ask you one question about Amazon. So you dug into their marketplace, you dug into the buy button. Did you dig into the way they use the data they acquire through AWS? One of the unknowns in the tech industry is whether Amazon is sniffing the data from its hosting service and using that to further its competitive advantages. What did you find on that question? No, the data we've been looking into is the re retailer's data. It is the data that comes from everything you do when you're looking for something. So when a retailer is is uh, if someone is making a purchase, how they're paying, uh, how long they've been there, if they return it, if they trigger a guarantee, all of that data, that is the kind of data that has been feeding into these, for both the, the statement of objection, but also the new uh, investigation that we have opened. All right, well, whenever you do do an investigation into AWS, I hope we, uh, we can talk again. It's a very interesting question. Amazon, of yeah. course, does not do that. Now, the Digital Marketplace Act and the Digital Services Act prohibit the very thing that you have said Amazon is doing, which is using its control of the marketplace to advantage its own products. Explain why you have both the tools of antitrust enforcement and the tools of this new law. Well, what we have learned in, in antitrust uh, law enforcement have been feeding into our considerations about what should regulation then state. Uh, and that has been done before. It was done when we made uh, investigations in sort of interchange fees sort of the fee uh, merchants would pay in order for you to use your credit card. And then we put that uh, into regulation. So it's, it's not a new mechanism. We learned something in the marketplace and then we put it into regulation in order to make sure that we don't have to do, you know, cases, 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 but that we change the marketplace. And, uh, and one of the things that we obviously have learned is that there are many ways of self-preferencing. And, uh, and it's extremely harmful. Uh, because then we as consumers, we're losing out because there's no fair competition. There is a risk that innovation will be stifled. Uh, and this is the reason why we sort of say, well, these well-known uh, issues, should we move that into a, a do not list? Uh, just as well as having a to-do list, uh, because there are obviously things that you can do when you become a, a gatekeeper, a, a very, very big company that will enable uh, the marketplace actually to work better. But the, the two new laws are not just a do not list, they're also a to-do list, right? And one of the provisions is that the large tech companies must share some of their data with their competitors. Explain how this will work. Well, now you speak about these two pieces of legislation as if they've already been tabled, uh, and, and part of it will have to be for, for the tabling of, uh, of the legislation. Yes. But it is true that we are considering what how to make sure that those who use the platforms actually get access to their own data. Um, because this is not sort of getting access to, to data which is belongs to someone else. This is basically data that you yourself have generated with the activities that you've been doing on this platform. Uh, and it is true that these are some of our considerations. Well, 
people who use your platform, they should have access to their own data. Okay. Well, let's talk then a little bit more about some of the investigations you've brought in the past. So you have been by far the most articulate, by far the most energetic um, legislator, law enforcement official, bringing actions against the tech companies over the last five, seven years. One of the critiques, though, is that the primary action that you've taken is to levy fines, right? You've done that against Apple, you've done it, I believe, three times against Google, and that fines are effectively not really a deterrent to large tech companies with so much money. How do you answer that critique? When we, uh, when we take a decision, there are basically three different elements. Uh, one is, uh, is the fine to punish, punish past behavior. Second is what we call a cease and desist, stop what you're doing. And the third element is, is the element that we're still developing, which is how to sort of, how for the market to recover from the harm that you've done. Um, and, and some of the things we see that they're working, maybe not always as expected by market participants. Uh, for instance, in, um, in the Android case, we say, well, all of those people who have not been able to present their search engine to potential customers who would buy an Android phone, how to get, give them a chance actually to, to present their product uh, to potential customers. And here we're working with a, a choice screen or a preference menu. Uh, and there's, there's quite a lot back and forth uh, in order to make sure that that works for the participants in the market to have a chance. And it is that sort of third element of mm -hmm of restoration, how yeah. to come back, uh, that is still work in progress uh, because we have taken some steps, but I'm absolutely certain that in future cases, we can take more advanced steps because we learn even more. And obviously, since harm can easily be done in digital markets, it's also fair to ask for that harm to be, um, if not undone, then at least to have some kind of restoration in the marketplace where we as consumers would otherwise lose out because of lack of choice. That makes, that makes a lot of sense, right? So there are those different elements of possible actions that can be taken. However, there's one action that you didn't mention there in your list of three, which is structural separation. To say that actually, for example, you know, Amazon, you have to split off AWS, or Facebook, you have to split off Instagram, or Google, you have to split off YouTube. You recently gave a speech, I believe, or maybe it was an interview, where you said that breaking up the big tech companies is something that can be done in mm -hmm. Europe, but maybe it should not be done. Tell me what you meant. Well, it can be done uh, if we have a uh, competition law offense, if someone has done something illegal that is really damaging, and that we can only remedy this by a structural separation. Uh, if that is the only thing that we see that will work uh, in order for this market to come back, uh, then we can do it. Uh, obviously, this is sort of a, a nuclear uh, option. So everything else would have to be tested before we get uh, to that situation because it's very far reaching uh, to say to a company, you have to split off. Um, and this is why we would want to, to try uh, other remedies before we would get there. Uh, and so far we have not had a case where we would say, well, this is, uh, this is the only remedy, this is the last resort, it is to split up the companies, this is the only thing that will bring back competition uh, in this market. I think what? one also have to consider um, if, if it will be effective, uh, if we, this will be something that will actually work in the marketplace within a foreseeable time frame, because obviously we would be spending a lot of time in court 
uh, if, if that was indeed the case, that this was what we asked for. But as said, if we, if we find a case, if we find behavior where nothing else uh, can solve the problem, then we in Europe as well can do uh, structural separation. But why does it always have to be a last resort, right? I can imagine a hypothetical situation where structural separation is actually a much cleaner and much simpler way of solving a problem than requiring certain behavioral changes or requiring certain compensation to the rest of the market. Is it by definition a last resort or is it just in the cases you've looked at, it seems like a last resort? Well, that is a, that's a very good question. I haven't thought about it uh, like that because you have a very good point in saying that it's a very clear cut thing, thing to do. And in a lot of sort of the, the murder control we do, uh, we would actually prefer structural uh, remedies. Uh, if, for instance, there is a horizontal overlap, uh, we would much prefer that to be solved by part of that to be divested, rather than to have behavioral commitments, uh, because they have to be overseen. Uh, the, the merging parties will have the commission hanging over their shoulders for, for ages uh, ongoing. So it's not that we are afraid of structural solutions. We use it all the time. We see it all the time when we have uh, merger situations where we have this kind of, uh, of overlap. I think the reason why we uh, are more reluctant when it comes to an, an antitrust remedy uh, is because that it is, is a very far-reaching thing to do towards the company. Um, and, and since we come from you know, a, a capitalistic uh, economy, having sort of uh, private property as, as a very, very fundamental thing, uh, not to harm that. I think that is why we think about this as a, as a very sort of very, very far reaching uh, remedy to reach for, uh, even though, as you say, it, it would be clean, clear cut. Uh, I think that is obviously true. Right, make, that makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you a question I asked you two years ago. Um, and it was when you said you also wanted to think about it a little bit more. And the question was, is misinformation a competition problem, right? Is the reason we have such a problem with misinformation on our social platforms because there is not a robust level of competition among them. Maybe if there were 10 social platforms we all use, they would compete to be more truthful or one would compete to be more truthful. Two and a half years since we had that conversation, do you think that misinformation is still not a competition problem or where do you stand on this issue? I think it, it complicates actually matters to make it a competition problem. Uh, I think there are more straightforward ways uh, to deal with it. Um, and, and we are trying to do that. Um, well, th there are misinformation and there are, there's illegal information. And illegal information is, is one of the things that we will be dealing with sort of very directly in the Digital Services Act to give mm -hmm. uh, service providers an obligation to have a system to make sure that illegal uh, information is not there. Uh, because we want people to feel that the online world and the offline world is two sides of the same world because basically it doesn't make any sense anymore to talk about two different worlds. It is one world, this is where we live. Uh, and we would expect you know, that the same rules would, would, would be there. If, if someone was handing out child pornography in front of the Bellymont, he would be taken down immediately should be the same thing when you're online. So, so in the sort of in the room between misinformation, because the problem with misinformation is that very often it is spilled upon a grain of truth. And then from that grain comes, you know, all kind of very, very strange things. 
um, with a purpose. Uh, so, so part of that we would want to address with uh, regulation, for instance, to say, well, um, uh, you need to, to have a system uh, where you're not sort of controlling what people would upload, but that you take responsibility if someone is flagging to you that this is actually against either is plain illegal or it's against sort of your, uh, your terms and conditions, sort of the, the community that you would want to, to uh, play out here. Uh, but to make it a competition problem, I think that would be more complicated uh, mm -hmm. because we need to deal with this uh, and, and we need regulation to come into effect fast uh, because I think we all have a right to be able to find information that can be conflictual, that can be discussing, that can be all the sort of things, but that is not misinformation put in the world just to manipulate us or the elections that we participate in. Good. I am extremely hopeful that the new laws, once fully implemented, will help make the internet feel more truthful, which I think is essential for, for all of us. One last big question, since we have just a little bit of time left. Why do you think all of the biggest tech companies in the world right now, with the vast majority of them, are American and Chinese? When will Europe start to develop technological giants? Well, one of the things uh, that has enabled this situation is that we in Europe failed to provide a single market. Uh, we failed to provide a, a capital uh, enabling system that would allow for the scaling up of businesses here. And both uh, China and the US, uh, they have both, they have a single market. Uh, and also language wise, a very sort of harmonious uh, single market and a much different um, uh, capital market than we would have in Europe. Uh, so this is why we're really insisting on these two fundamentals. And also, you know, really focusing on what would be sort of the big next chapter of digitization, which is sort of the business to business part of things, where you digitize the entire uh, industry, where you change your business models, where sort of the service provided based on the data that your machinery or your production chains uh, would produce to you. And here Europe comes with a very strong tradition, uh, with an engineering uh, tradition and culture, with a very, very strong, you know, know-how as to how to do this. And this is why, of course, we think, oh, next date, this is about us. If we can make things work for us with data to travel well, with a single market to work, with all these knowledgeable businesses to, to digitalize, to start to use AI big scale, well, then we have something going for ourselves. And so, in fact, is one of the points of the Digital Marketplaces Act and Digital Services Act to create unified legislation across Europe that will help create a single market, which could then help create European tech giants? Well, remains to be seen if it will create uh, digital uh, giants. Uh, but the fir first thing first is that citizens all over Europe, uh, they deserve to have uh, service providers who abide to simple, straightforward obligations uh, in order to provide their services in, in a good manner. Uh, that, I think, is the most important first step here. Then, of course, it is for us to figure out, well, how, how can sort of the marketplace develop so that next chapter of digitization, here you all will also see uh, European businesses. But it is for us to be successful. It's not by curbing others that you yourself become successful. It is by providing the best possible solutions. Well, that is a marvelous note to end on. Thank you very much, Marguerite Vestager. And now let's go back to Lisbon.
It was a pleasure. Oh, please, let's go back to Lisbon. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you want to hear more about these topics firsthand, or you want to let us know what you want to hear, be sure to check us out on any of our social media accounts or visit websummit.com. That's websummit.com.